0: It's time now for the complete story with Rich and Dick Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network, to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich and Dick Bot with today's complete story. Well, Rich,
1: you know, uh, since uh, you and I were in the studio together uh, for one of the complete story broadcasts, uh, why there was an eclipse. And um, and as I was hearing so much about it now, I'm such an old codger, I didn't get out and see it myself, but you did. However, it had a profound effect on people. And I read an article uh, and the writer said that when it actually happened and he witnessed it, it was more than he could describe And when you and I talked, you felt the same way. Tell us about it.
2: It was incredibly powerful, Dad, Uh, that the sun was actually darkened. Just it was like a biblical event, and uh, during the path of during the time of totality, where I was, it was two minutes and twenty nine seconds. They said you could take off the goggles and look at the eclipse, and and sure enough, the 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 moon was completely covering the sun, and the only thing you could see were these feather like um, flames. Really, is the best way to describe it, extending yeah. beyond the the radius the circumference of the moon, and it was almost like it was liquid, and it was. Seemed like it was. Kind of, it was angry too, but it just gave me a sense of the power of God and the awesomeness of of creation and what an incredible God that we serve, that created this uh, sun and hung it in in space, and the fact that years ahead of time they could predict exactly when this eclipse would take place, and how long it would last, and where it would shadow the Earth, and it happened exactly as it was predicted because our god is a god of order. See
1: that that's that really that really hit me and i ask our audience to just stop and think right now because god is a god of order and beauty. Now open up your bible and see the first chapter of genesis. In the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning. And that also really hit me that they were able to predict years ago when this would occur right down to the second. Second. And that's how orderly the universe is put together. That's how God does things. The chaos that we're experiencing now, the chaos, the unbelievable unrest all over the world, and certainly here in the United States just as much as anywhere else, it's chaos because the more we turn away from God and deny him, and his preeminence in all things, why the more chaotic it becomes on the world, and yet God, God has his universe that he created, and it is orderly. Yes. That really means something to me. It, Talk about it, it law does. and order. Talk about law and order. You know, when I was a kid, we used to hear about the law of gravity and the law of all of these things, you see. Mm-hmm. There's order. Uh, in in the way things are supposed to be a family should be an orderly family and a young person that is raised and brought up to be an adult and then go on into adulthood it should be an orderly process now no one is perfect no one is perfect except jesus christ here again we come back to order we come back to perfection But on the other hand, the more we walk away from God, the more we turn our face from him and deny his existence in all things, Why the worse it gets for the rest of us, doesn't it?
2: The verse that came to mind is, The heavens declare the glory of God. And I thought of how the heavens obey his command. A week or two ago, our pastor was preaching about Jonah and how the fish obeyed God, even though the prophet was disobedient. I mean, everything in God's creation obeys the will of God, obeys God, but except man has a free will, and because of that, man oftentimes rebels,
1: all right, now I want to open this broadcast because we're going to get into some very important things here. This may be one of the most important programs that we've that we've aired. But uh, I want to mention also that I think of Sunday school a lot. I think of little children and what is planted in their heart early on in their lives. It used to be rich that a child was brought up with a mom and a dad. A child would sit and have dinner as a family, and a child would be in Sunday school, and a child would be taught early on what's in the Bible and how it relates to him. And I remember very, very well uh, when I was taught, you know, just as a little kid, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And uh and everybody it seemed was taught that. But you know, Rich, I am finding even kids that are going to church now do not know that little course and I say shame, shame, shame. So let's hear it right now. Jesus first breathe. Uh, you know i think in most cases while the children is taught mommy loves you and daddy loves you and grandma loves you but how many children learn to sing that song and they're told over and over again that jesus loves you and god created you and gave you to us really put you on loan to us for a period of time to be your parents and people who put our arms around you and love you, things like that. I don't think that's taught much anymore, is it?
2: Well, in a lot of places, no, and it's a shame, and we're seeing that in our culture.
1: Now, the president had a, a big rally in Arizona. I think it was in Phoenix, Arizona, and I was amazed. I was amazed in spite of what the media said, and man alive, it almost gives me a headache how they just hammer and hammer and hammer and find any little thing they can. It's critical, critical, critical. And yet as I watch it, and uh, here was Franklin Graham that opened in prayer, gave a prayer, and then Elvita King, who is the niece of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, you see. Uh, she prayed she as well. She prayed, and she sang a cappella, How Great Thou Art. I thought, how many presidential rallies— Uh, Have I ever seen in my whole lifetime where something like that occurred? They have always been so starchy and they've always been so stiff and they've always been so formal and they've always been so buttoned up And and this was totally different. But but the only
2: reason you saw that is because I called you and told you it's on C-SPAN because the regular newscasts were not carrying that. That's
1: exactly right. It was on C-SPAN. Now please don't confuse this with CNN. No,
2: C-SPAN. C-SPAN. It was C-SPAN three. And and there it it was.
1: They carried the whole thing from start to finish. Here is what Reverend Franklin Graham, and he's the son, of course, of Billy Graham. This is what he did
3: when he said when he prayed. What an honor to be here today. I have been asked to pray. Now I know we have many religions, Uh, Catholic, I'm a Protestant, Uh, we may have Jewish people, Muslims, but I want you to know I don't know how to pray a generic prayer, like one prayer fits all, okay? I, I don't know how to do that. So if you don't mind, let me just pray the way my mama taught me, all right? So let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, you have blessed our country more than any nation on earth. And we acknowledge that apart from you we have no hope. We come tonight as a troubled nation. We're broken spiritually. We're divided politically, we're divided racially, and we are adrift morally, following whatever direction the wind of popular culture blows, with no regard for your word or the consequences of our disobedience. We ask tonight for your help. There are those in this country who want to divide, who want to preach hate. And Father, it's my prayer that you'll just shut their mouths like you shut the mouths of the lions years ago. Father, we pray that you'll heal our land to comfort the victims of violence and injustice and bring us together as one nation under you. Our sins have paralyzed us as a country we have seemed to have forgotten right from wrong. You warned us in your holy word, the Bible, that a day would come when the truth would become a lie and lies would become truth. And we see this happening before our eyes today. We come to you this evening confessing our sins as a nation. We confess the sins of our past. We confess to you the sins of injustice, pride, self-indulgence, Even though we are rich, we have neglected many of the poor and suffering in our country. We have flaunted sexual immorality to the world. We have failed to protect our young and our innocent. We ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I pray tonight that you would unite us, that you would unite this country for your glory. Help us to see each other as you see us, and may we truly love our neighbor as ourself. Tonight, I pray especially for our president, President Donald J. Trump, as he leads the United States during these difficult and troubled days. I pray that you would protect him and Melania, their family. Give them your wisdom. Fill him with grace and humility and empower him with your strength, your strength from on high. We also pray for Vice President Mike Pence, that you would guide and direct his steps as he serves our president and this nation. We pray for each man and woman in Congress that you would—that they would set aside their personal political agendas and that they would come together united For the good of all Americans. Father, we are thankful and grateful for the brave men and women who serve our nation in uniform, for all the law enforcement who put their lives on the line every day to protect us from evil. You tell us in your word, blessed are the peacemakers. The psalmist, David, the great king of Israel, said that you, were his shepherd. Father, we need a shepherd. I pray that you would be the shepherd of our nation, the shepherd that leads us to green pastures and still waters for your name's sake. You're the God who restores our souls. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil, for you're with us. And your rod and your staff, they comfort us, the Bible tells us. Lord, I ask that you would anoint our heads with oil and that you would prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. We pray, as David did, that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives and that we we may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, I pray for this nation. And Father, I pray that you would guide and direct and that your will would be done and i pray this all in the name the powerful name the name of your son the lord jesus christ amen
1: oh, man. rich now i'm telling you i am telling you i've taken all of this pretty seriously for many many years and i have never heard a prayer like that at a presidential rally in america for any reason and that of course folks was franklin graham uh, Dr. Billy Graham's son, who now heads up the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association plus, yes,
2: Samaritan's, Purse. plus
1: Samaritan's Purse to help people, to feed people, to care about people. So uh, so this is what you've got to look at. Folks. Yeah. I assume most of our audience are adult people, and I don't really care what color you are. That's not important. One race, one blood. So wake up and smell the coffee and think a little bit. What he says about education— what he says about jobs returning to people can earn a paycheck, and uh, all of these things. And when he's talking about the cities, every part of the city, not just this section or that section, but all of it, I'm tuned to those things. And it really makes a difference. And, Dad, yeah.
2: you wouldn't have seen that or heard it if you were relying on the mainstream media for your source of news and information. The only reason we saw that is because we were tuned into C-SPAN, which carried well, the entire rally. Well, we knew. Uh, we switched over to the other networks to see what they were doing. Even Fox News, they they had the audio blanked out, and the commentators were talking over it as if this was not important. Yeah, yeah. And this is important. Every major revival, and that's what our nation needs as revival every major revival is preceded by a movement of prayer and uh, right earlier we, we heard uh, Dr. Alveda King pray and uh, today we hear uh, Franklin Graham praying and so when people are praying for revival and repenting of their sins uh, we pray Pray that God is going to send it and that, we will, that he will heal our land. I tell
1: you, the, the mainstream media, so on, or the fake media, or whatever you want to call them, when I listen to those people and I know something about them, they are not the people that I admire for their sense of faith in God, their sense of what is right and what is honest and what is true and what is moral. Now, while well, we're on that subject— we have to keep subject, our eyes on Jesus. Well, absolutely. But I'll tell you, Paul Harvey— when Paul Harvey was alive, he had this network on ABC network I called, it was it the rest of the news? I think it was something like that. But he was famous from coast to coast, from the north to the south, Paul Harvey. No one missed his program. And he did one program called If I Were the Devil. It, I tell you what, when I heard that, I thought, it, and he's been dead for a long time. I don't know what year he recorded this. If I were the devil, this is what I would do to get my way. Listen to this, folks.
0: If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, The. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. And thus I could undress you in public. And I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day.
1: Yeah. Rich, isn't it wonderful that we have a radio network where we could broadcast that to the people to remind them. What Paul Harvey said. Now, he was a secular network newscaster, and those were his words recorded so many years ago. But aren't they coming true? I'm sad to say.
2: Uh, yes, that's. For sad to say, it was it was very prophetic because we're seeing more and more and more of that. And what you have to do is to see how what the world teaches lines up with the Word of God, yeah. because that's our standard. We have to compare everything with the Bible.
1: Yeah, you know I've said many times on this broadcast how much I enjoy Ken Ham's uh, lecture on one race, one blood. I'm quite a student, as are you, Rich on American history and slavery and uh, the, the whole idea of racism, all of that. And, and this isn't new with me, nor is it new with you, Rich. But we've been studying that and we've been learning about it and looking into it. I've got a tremendous library of all of that. And it's not a pretty story for sure. But there was a young man, a young black man, who stood up in a meeting with John MacArthur. Listen to this now, folks. Dr. John MacArthur. I'll tell you, there are so many things I could tell about his father, who was a preacher in Los Angeles, and the people who came to know the Lord through his ministry. And then he had a son named John. I suppose it was Jack MacArthur Jr., you see. But John MacArthur, people hear his broadcast on Bob Radio Network. So this young black man... He stood up and asked uh, Dr. MacArthur if he could give a Bible answer on what's happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, what's happening across America right now, and all of that. What did you want to say? Well,
2: I believe this was a question and answer period in their Sunday evening service. Well,
1: it was. I'm sorry. I thought I made that clear. Oh, no, the man didn't just stand up. Right. I know it was a part of a question. They had answer, a microphone
2: set up in well, the audience for what, people to ask questions. What a questions. wonderful
1: question. This young, young black man stood up, and he wanted to know. And this is what John MacArthur told him. Now, listen, folks, this is really wonderful. And timely. And here it is.
0: Hi, Pastor John. My Hi. name is Paul. Hi, Paul. I was back and forth with this question. What, what is a biblical and Christ-proclaiming view of Charlottesville, Virginia, and all that's happened recently?
4: Sure. Um, I'll give you a biblical view of it. Um, The human heart is desperately wicked. And the human heart is hostile toward God and self-centered and proud and selfish and angry. What Charlottesville simply demonstrates is that fallen humanity is corrupt. All I see in that is the justification of anger. Look, that's, that's not about slavery. That's not about something that happened 200 years ago. That's an opportunity for angry, hostile, self-willed, selfish people to explode and feel good about it because they can get away with it when there's enough of them, too many of them to stop. No one tolerates white supremacists. When I was down in Mississippi years ago, I was arrested by those kinds of people for preaching the gospel in black high schools, and I was put in jail, and they took all my money away. Wow. I, I know that. I was with the black leaders in Jackson, Mississippi, and in, in Charles Evers, Medgar Evers' brother. Charles was the first black mayor in the South. Charles his brother Medgar was the first martyr of the Civil Rights Movement. He was killed. I was in the room when Martin Luther King was assassinated with those black leaders. We went to Memphis, and I stood on the blood spots on that motel with those men. And I stood in the little bathroom on top of the toilet where James Earl Ray shot him out the window. Those men were my friends. That was my community. I couldn't buy groceries in that town when I got back. I in Mendenhall, Mississippi. I couldn't eat in a restaurant. I, I've seen all that. That's, that's not what's going on there in Charlottesville or any of these other demonstrations. This is the wretched, fallen human heart feeling like it can rise to any level that is not completely controlled. And let me tell you what gets you there. Number one, the human heart is evil, War is in the heart. Men will kill. That's how they function. But God has built three restraints into society. Restraint number one is in the individual, and it's the conscience. But the conscience reacts to a moral law. So if you have a whole generation of young people that have been taught a twisted, perverted, inverted, upside-down and backwards moral law then their conscience can't function. The the conscience is, is simply a recognition mechanism that says that's wrong, that's right, that excuses and accuses. But it only can function where there's a sound moral law written in the heart. So you have a whole generation of these people, this generation, who have had a totally perverted sense of what morality is. And the dominant part of this new morality is, I am the most important person in the world. It's all about me. It's the selfie culture. So conscience is now crippled. Secondly, God put fathers and mothers in a family to bring a rod to discipline people in order to subdue their evil. If the family is destroyed and the family breaks down, then you have no control over those people. So conscience can't function because the moral law has been literally destroyed. Families don't function, so there is no discipline learned. There's no sense of what is right, what is acceptable behavior. And the only institution left that God ordained was the police. And the police were given a sword to subdue those who do evil. When you assault the police long enough that you diminish their authority and the sense of fear and the sense of reverence that a society has to have for those who police them, then all hell will break loose. Conscience isn't functioning, families not functioning, and the police have been stripped of their powers in the social consciousness. You literally have unleashed the human heart at its worst level. This is not about race and this is not about what happened in America in the past. No one can tolerate white supremacists. No one can tolerate the Ku Klux Klan. One of my dear friends, John Perkins, his brother was killed in front of him by the Ku Klux Klan in the street. No one can tolerate that. That is just one manifestation of the evil of the human heart. And we have only begun to see it once it's unleashed and it's going to start coming in all kinds of forms because of the breakdown of moral law, the breakdown of the conscience, breakdown of the family, and because of the incessant assaults on governing authorities. So get ready. I don't think it's going to go away. Okay? Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. Thank you, Paul. Oh, man,
1: that was Dr. John MacArthur, folks. And, uh, and he was giving out of his own life story and everything. He was right. What say you, Rich? We're going to get out of here. You
2: hear him every day on the Grace to You broadcast right here on Bot Radio Network. Grace to You with Dr. John MacArthur.
1: All right, friends. This is Dick Bot and Rich Bot with this chapter of The Complete Story as a public service for you folks. And we'll see you later.